Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday the 13th of October 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 7, and brings us a message entitled, The Life and Times of Elijah, by the Brook. Some of you are interested in the work and ministry of the Every Home Crusade uh, mission. There are some leaflets available. They're on the table, the October edition of their Good News uh, leaflet. Could I invite you to open your Bible at 1 Kings chapter 17, please? 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to read the first four verses. There are the first five verses. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. Father, with our Bibles open this morning, we thank you for the promised help of the Holy Spirit. So much can crowd our minds. We can think of things in the week that has passed. We can think about things that lie ahead of us in your providence in the week that lies ahead. But just now, give us the spirit of concentration and help us, Lord, to understand what we're reading and to apply your word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to spend a little while this morning by the brook. At Cherith, Elijah is introduced to the gracious bounty of God's provision. He is enrolled in the Bible College, the Bible Training College at Cherith. And the divine teacher longs that his student will graduate in godliness. It will be an interesting classroom as Jehovah prepares Elijah for bigger things. It will not be easy as God trains his child to be more serviceable. He will soon realize in spite of what he has experienced so far does not mean that he has arrived. His big day is recorded in chapter 18 when he will stand in Mount Carmel before the false prophets of Baal and achieve one of the greatest victories recorded in the scriptures. But before God would put him in the public place, In the glare of publicity on Mount Carmel, God puts him in the private place at Cherith. And at the college of Brook Cherith, God would prepare his servant for the climax of Mount Carmel. It's a very biblical principle that God never puts his servants in a public place before his appointment in the private place. And I wonder this morning, has there ever been a brook Cherith in your life? God is hiding his servant. 
God has marginalized him as he sits by a drying brook. And I wonder this morning, are you at a brook today? The brook may be a very difficult domestic situation. It may be the brook of harsh judgment of uninformed people. I don't know what your brook is today. You do not know what my brook may be today, but God does. And Elijah might have find, him, find himself doing what I'm in the habit of doing, and maybe you're in the habit of doing, talking to himself. Do you ever talk to yourself? It's good to talk to yourself when you can't find anybody more intelligent to talk to. And he might have said, why am I here? What's happening? It wasn't long ago when I was in the presence of the king bringing the Lord's message. Now I feel I'm being sent away. What's happening to me? What is this all about? And Elijah would learn that this brook would be part of God's sovereign and providential plan. And all God wanted him to do was to keep trusting. You know the song of the the, the old hymn that says, Simply trusting every day. Trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small. Trusting Jesus. That is all. I want us this morning to take a step back, as it were, and take a moment to look at the big picture in 1 Kings, for it's important that we don't lose sight of the big picture. Many of us are are aware of the stories that we have learned at Sunday school about King Ahab and the brook Cherith and the widow at Zarephath and her son being brought back to life. And we'll look at these incidents in a more detailed fashion as the weeks go by. But one thread runs through the whole chapter, namely the importance of the Word of God. The centrality of the Word of the Lord. Look at it this morning, verse 1. Except by my Word. That is the Word of God. Verse 2. And the Word of the Lord came to him. Verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And if we had read on in verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him, arise and go to Cherapath. And when you come to verse 24, the woman in Zarephath is speaking to Elijah, and now I know that you're a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. And I draw attention to that this morning because people's responses to the Word of God shapes the whole chapter. Let's think of it for a moment this morning. You see, we have a leader here who is dismissive of the Word of the Lord. You read about that in verse 30 of chapter 16. Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did more evil than all who were before him. He was dismissive of the Word of God. The Word of God had no authority whatsoever in his life. And that was reflected in his ways, in his wife, in his worship. He was blatantly disobedient. And his disobedience was bold, brazen, and unblushing. Can we not see the very same attitude and activity today? You and I are living in a world, living in a society, living in a community where there is no reverence, there is no regard for this book that we call the Bible. 
the little words that I learned as a young boy are insignificant in the lives of all too many this morning. I have a wonderful treasure, the gift of God without measure. We will travel together, my Bible and I. Wicked men won't believe it, but we will gladly receive it. We will travel together, my Bible and I. So we have a leader who is dismissive of the Word of God. Secondly, at this time, we have a land that has been disciplined by the Word of God. Not only a leader who is dismissive to the Word of God, but a land that is being disciplined by the Word of the Lord. The fact that there was no rain was not insignificant. It was indicative of God's dealing with the people. Uh, the writer in Deuteronomy 28 and 23 says, The heavens over you uh, shall be bronze. The, the, the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. It was a, a symbol of famine and pestilence. The word of the Lord was disciplining the land. So we have a leader who is dismissive of the word of God. We have a land that has been disciplined by the word of God. And we have a life that has been directed by the word of the Lord. In the midst of all that was happening, there was a life being directed by the word of the Lord. And we've seen that as a divine pattern. But notice secondly as we move on, not only is there this divine pattern that we looked at it a few weeks ago, obedience to the Word of God. We have a divine precept here. We see that in verses 2 to 4. Elijah had appeared before King Ahab with a stinging message of judgment. He had delivered his soul with regard to the three and a half years of famine which was to smite the land. And this was as far as Elijah was told to go. This was the first step of obedience. And as soon as he had carried out the will of God, he was ready to receive further instructions from God. And so we read in verse 2, And the word of the Lord came to him again. Now the command may have seemed at first most strange to the ears of the prophet. But it was one that he knew required absolute and unreserved obedience if his future service was going to be successful. And I want you to notice what was involved in this precept. First of all, in this divine precept, there was a call to a place of solitude with God. A call to a place of solitude with God. The authorized version puts it like this, Go hide thyself. Now the Hebrew word that is used is the word from which we get our English word, absent. Turn eastward, withdraw, absent yourself. Here's a call directing the prophet to a quiet place. A place of solitude where he could commune with God. And here God emphasizes to his servant as he did with other of his children, the importance of spending time alone with God. And in a noisy, hustling and bustling world, 
Well, we can find ourselves all too often on the fast lane. It's hard to hear God whispering to our souls, and we need to hear that. I don't know about you, but waiting in silence before God is not an easy thing. Sometimes, when we try to do that, a thousand things comes into our mind. Work that needs to be done. Rooms that need to be tidied up. Something that needs to be written. A phone call that needs to be made. And that is not by accident. But Satan will do everything that he can do to prevent us from waiting before the Lord. Waiting to hear his voice. And one can so easily and so quickly become impatient. Elijah was a man of action. He was a man of activity. And God takes this man of action to teach him the importance of winning before God. And God takes him to cherish to impress upon his heart and mind this great truth. That it's never a vain thing to wait upon the Lord. It's so easy for you and I to be tempted to think that God's timetable is all wrong and somehow or other you and I have got it right. But God had to teach his servants like Elijah and Moses and Joseph and even the Apostle Paul the importance of waiting upon the Lord. And what we need to acknowledge this morning, sometimes we're slow to acknowledge this, that God knows best. That God knows best how to equip his servants and winning is part of that equipping. Even to his busy disciples he said, come you apart and rest a while. Vance Havner says, the man who doesn't come apart will come apart. We sometimes sing, don't we take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Abide in him always and make friends of God's children. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. It's amazing to read the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus. And I'm always intrigued by what Mark tells us when Jesus called his disciples, in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, we read that he went up on the mountain and then he called to him those whom he desired and they came to him. And then Mark tells us this, he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Now, we can read a verse like that so quickly and not catch a significant pattern. Notice what Mark tells us. He tells us that he called them to be with him. How long? At least three years. He, told, he called them to be with him, and then he sent them out. I must confess, I think, we as evangelicals get it wrong. And I include myself in this statement. And I, here's where I'm coming from. I think sometimes when we hear of people who have 
a remarkable conversion. The next thing we do is we put them in the pulpit. We put them in the public place. And we pray them all around the countryside, telling their wonderful story. And this came to mind recently, and I not mention the name, a very remarkable story. And someone came to a friend of mine and said, you know, you, you should write their life story. They were about 16 or 17. And my friend said very wisely, they haven't lived life to write any story about. I just heard the other week that they have got back into the world and they no longer go around the country telling the story they once told. Were they the Lord's? I don't know. Because the Lord knows them that are His. And I must leave that with God. But I think there's a valuable lesson for all of us to learn. You see, see, often we get a person saved and immediately we thrust them in to a Sunday school class or to a responsible position in teaching the Word of God. Jesus didn't do that. He taught his disciples for three years. They were with him before he sent them. And the same principle is here by the brook Cherith. He's by the brook. The precepts of God have come to go to the brook that is called Cherith. It was a place of solitude. How long has it been since you talked? with the Lord. You know, when I was a young believer, the most important thing that I was taught by older Christians was the importance of a QT. You say that to some people today, they look at you as if you're speaking a foreign language. What do I mean? I mean a quiet time. A quiet time with God. I remember a friend and he drove an old milk van. And he took her to a certain place every day as part of his route. A lonely place. But he sat alone with God in his Bible and read the Word and waited in the presence of the Lord. It's vitally important that we have a meeting place with God, that we have a quiet time with God. Cherith was God's appointed place for a servant to experience this quiet time. It was a place of solitude. Notice secondly here, he was called to a place of separation from men. A place of solitude with God and a place of separation from men. Ahab was an apostate, one who had forsaken the truth and was following after the false and erroneous gods of Baal, ably assisted by his heathen wife Jezebel. And idolatry and evil abounded on every hand. Jehovah was being publicly dishonored and disgraced. As the man of God, Elijah could have no communion or sympathy with such, such a situation. And it reminds us of something that we can so easily forget. There must be no compromise with error. I believe that the Bible teaches true biblical ecumenism. 
There is a oneness in Christ, but it must be in Christ. There is a oneness in the gospel of the grace of God. But there must be no compromise with her, with those who do not honor the word of God and the work of Christ. There must no, be no compromise with an ecumenism that sets aside God's truth and accredits a system that dethrones Christ and his finished work as being Christian. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. One of the in words of our day is the word tolerance. Tolerance, that's what we need. We need to be more tolerant. We need to imbibe everything. We need to be broad-minded. Not so, my friend, when the truth of the gospel in the name of Christ is at stake. We're not to condone error. We're not to court it. We're to come out from among such things and we're to be identified by our separation. Not isolation. Not isolation. But separation. A separation unto Christ where the gospel is honored, where the person and work of Christ is revered. And in many people's thinking today, the operative words are, let's all get together. God says, no, we're to be separate. We're to come out. We're not to touch the unclean. We're not to stay in. We're to get out. And we are to stay out. And so here is a divine pattern. There was obedience to the word. It was a step at a time. In a day when leaders were dismissive of the word, in a day when the land was disciplined by the word, there was a leader who was directed by the word. But there's also a divine provision. We see that in verses 5 and 6. Having received a divine command, Elijah was determined to obey God. And I would suggest that his obedience was prompt. We read here, so he went and did according to the word. The the servant of God did not argue. The, The servant didn't make a suggestion that would mean him avoiding doing what God wanted him to do. And I want you to pick up this point just as we close this morning, because this is very important. I want you to see that he didn't obey the will of God. It doesn't say that he obeyed the mind of the Lord. We don't read of the will of God being revealed to him or the mind of God. And I draw attention to this because I feel there is confusion today on this matter, which causes untold problems or unnecessary problems, if I might add. There are those who mystify themselves and others by a lot of pious talk about these things, about obtaining God's mind. Or discovering God's will. And that can amount to vague uncertainty or or personal impulse. God's mind, God's will is made known in God's word. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. May the mind of Christ my Savior... Live in me from day to day. 
by his word and power controlling all I do and all I say. And here is the golden rule. He will, he, he never wills anything for us which to the slightest degree clashes with that heavenly rule. The word of the Lord came to him. Here was a man moving in accordance with God's word. And as Christians, we need to do that. A church needs to do that. And Elijah is uh, doing that. We have a, a similar experience in Nehemiah's day. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we read that all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. Henry was talking about water this morning, living water. And water in the Bible is a symbol of the Word of God. They gathered at the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord commanded Israel. And when you go home today, read Nehemiah 8. They gathered expectantly. They gathered as one man, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book. Bring the book. And secondly, in verse 3, they listened attentively. Their ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. It's good to carry the book to the house of God. I become concerned about Christians who never carry the Bible to church. It's good to hear the rustling of the leaves, looking up the scriptures, following the example of the Thessalonians who went home and searched the scriptures to see whether or not these things were so. You see, God had spoken to his people in Deuteronomy 31, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read the law before all Israel in their hearing. He says, assemble the people, men and women, and little ones. The children were there under the word of God. They might not understand it all, but they were under the sound and under the influence of the Word of God. And the sojourner within your house, that they might hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of the law, and that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. These people were to gather expectantly, to listen attentively, to respond properly. Nehemiah says that they opened the book in the sight of all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. In certain cultures, they stand for the reading of the Word of God, and they sit for prayer. I'm not seeking to promote that practice, but you understand why they do it. They find it here in Nehemiah. And Israel blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands and bowing their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they gathered expectantly, they listened attentively, they responded properly, and in verse 12, they went home joyfully. They went home joyfully. All the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And so it is with 
Elijah as it was with Nehemiah, the importance of the word of God. He was a cherith because the Lord had directed him through his word. And I trust that you're here this morning because you believe the Lord has called you to gather in this place. The Lord has directed you here by his word. You remember an old friend saying to me, there are six questions to ask when we come to the Bible. Is there a promise to claim? Is there a command to obey? Is there a lesson to learn? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a blessing to enjoy? Is there a new thought to carry with me? Oh, wonderful, wonderful word of the Lord. True wisdom, its pages unfold. And though we may read them a thousand times over, they never, they'll never grow old. Thanks be to God this morning for his word. Let us pray. Father, we pause to give you thanks for your word, for the truth revealed therein, and for what we can learn about yourself and about ourselves. We thank you for the example of godly men like Elijah, men of like passion as we are. We thank you for the example of Nehemiah and Ezra and the people of their day. We pray that you'll help us this morning not just to be hearers of your word, but doers also. Help us to apply your word not to anyone else but to ourselves. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for Christ's sake. Amen.